What's up, movie lovers? Welcome to episode number 14 of Ready Play Movies, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of entertainment. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases, what we're watching, big topics of the industry, and the movies we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, send us an email to readyplaymovies at gmail.com or hit us up at readyplaymovies on Twitter. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new, new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review this is april 13th 2021 and i'm your host Louis menchaca and filling in for troy we got from level one gaming it's dallas man <laughs> i've always wanted to do it i finally got to say it uh so dallas how you doing i am fantastic well and close to spectacular um all right extra special bonus points if you know where i got that from nobody ever knows for whatever reason Interesting. Nope. I you got it's going right over my head as well. <laughs> it's from uh, a skit from the Love Below, uh, the last great Outcast album. All of them are great, but it's the last great Outcast album. Um, it's just uh, Farnsworth Bentley and Andre Three Thousand. It's kind of interesting is that that album was like a double album where they each did their own album. Mm -hmm. And then like that's technically an outcast album, even though they're two different artists making their own CDs and stuff like that and slapping them together. And then I felt like outcast was never really outcast after that because they sort of split up. Yeah, it wasn't. And um, anybody listening, if you want to actually hear the skit that it came from, it's called Good Day, Good Sir from the Love Below. All right. Um, well, before we get on to uh, topic of the show, I just got to say real quick is nothing big on ma nothing major for housekeeping. I just wanted to say our YouTube channel has been officially been rebranded. Uh, we are no longer uh, ready press play on YouTube, partly because of, you know, the fact that, you know, we're now having multiple shows on the channel. So we're now ready play network, but we're also we uh, somebody decided to make a ready press play uh, uh, YouTube channel. And it's the, so they made their own logo and everything like that. But what's kind of interesting is even though we were first, Whenever you type in or like a Google uh, Google search Ready Press Play on YouTube, their channel showed up first, even though we have more views and it doesn't make any fucking sense, but whatever. All right, damn, that's crazy. You want me to beat them up for you? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on. It's time for topic of the show. So, not going to lie, though, uh... This is, uh, I try, I'm, I'm basically, I don't know if I'm hyping you up too much, you know, with that snazzy ass sound effect and all, but Dallas, you are the topic of the show. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. So me all right. So let me ask you, Dallas, um, I just wanted to know a little bit about yourself. Like, you know, I've, I only, I, I know you, of course, from level, like level one gaming and stuff like that. And I just kind of wanted to get to know, like, how did you uh, become a co-founder of level one gaming? Like, what was your path that led you to, you know, meeting fame and collaborating with everyone and being a trusted member, you know, to be a co-owner in that, in that venture? Well, um, well, I met fame through my wife. Um, they were friends. And then we, she was like, oh, well, I know this guy and he's in the video games too. And uh, he wants to do like stuff with video games, media, like you said, you wanted to do. So I'll link you up. Y'all should talk. And um, we had a conversation, and long story short, he's not my friend. Um, so, I mean, like, real, real friend. I mean, like, he's going to be, um, if I die, he's walking my daughter down the aisle type stuff. So, um, from there, Fame kind of linked me up uh, where he was at uh, Tick, the Inner Circle Games Network. And um, kind of got started there. The first thing I did was a review um, for this game called Speedrunners, and um, I hated it. Not the game, the process of reviewing. Um I, I never wanted to review a game again after that. And um, <laughs> and I thought maybe I'll stick to podcasting. Um, now, 
I had already been just a musician, so that's something I had done for a while. And so I was um, thinking maybe I should just do the sound on whatever video content we do. As it turned out, we started to, um, back when we could actually go to conventions, go to conventions a lot, right? So we pull up on QuakeCon, um, Pack South, wherever we could, you know, wherever we can get to, the anime conventions, all of it. Um, and we just, we did video interviews with everybody, and I got into doing video content that way. Um, so the very first interview I did, I was nervous as hell. Don't look it up, please. Um, <laughs> very first interview I did was with Phoenix Labs um, for Dauntless, just before they got ready to drop it on console. Um, and we just, it just all grew from there. Now, long story short, um, my, maybe not as short as it should be, we eventually ended up leaving uh, Tick, which I don't even think it's a thing anymore, come to think of it. We eventually ended up leaving that site and just thought, man, we don't want to stop working together. Um, so we decided to build our own thing, and Level 1 Gaming was born. Bet. Uh, so, yeah, Level 1 Gaming obviously is a... I, I mean, I would say it's primarily a, fo- a gaming-focused website, but there is a movie section. So for movie fans, of course, you can go and, uh, and check out their 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 articles and stuff like that. They got a lot going on. Um, of course, uh, Shake and Bake writing a lot of good movie reviews. Mm, okay. And then, of course, uh, for any listeners that are uh, that are checking out the podcast, of course, you can always contact Level 1 Gaming's, uh, you know, go to Level 1 Gaming's, Level 1 Gaming's Twitter and contact them and reach out to see if you wanted to write for them, if you're interested in talking about movies for Level 1 Gaming as well. Um, but yeah, uh, that's another, another thing I wanted to, to get to is, you know, since you're the music man and I see you, like, I hear you making these dope-ass intros and stuff like that, you know, for all the shows, um, as well as other podcasts, I actually... Um, you know, I think was it? I forgot which uh, podcast I listened to. I don't know if it was Iron Lords or something like that. But yeah, Iron Lords. I feel like you you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I think it was Iron Lords. Yeah, yeah. And you were like, oh shit, he's you, you're like you're like the go to person when it comes to making some hype ass uh, intro uh, theme songs. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, really, it just literally happened by accident. Um, I, I have been a musician my whole life, and you know, a rapper and all of that good stuff, producer and junk. And when we started Level One Gaming. Um, I don't know if you remember when the site first started, but there was this giant banner in the top, right? And it was just, um, I made a video to go there just for people to see, just um, sort of as a commercial for us, right? Yes. And so Fame was saying, well, in order to make it and save memory on the site, you need to upload it to YouTube. And if you're going to upload it to YouTube, it needs to have some sound. Okay, cool. No big deal. I'll make a beat. Um, and that beat ended up being an entire song. That ended up the Level being, Up theme song. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so they started using that as the intro to Double XP, and um, I thought that would be the end of it. Then when we started um, Peep Game, I had the bright idea of making a new, like flipping a new video game, a movie, or a TV show sample every week. Why did I do that? Now I have to make. Now I have to continue to make new stuff. But um, <laughs> I I had that bright idea, and it just rolled from there. That and then the Take Two song, and then. Um, then the Iron Lords intro music and um, they're just waiting music and it just snowballed from there. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think it was like the Colin Moriarty one. I was like, oh, you're introing Colin Moriarty with your with your uh, dope ass intro song. So <laughs> just got to say that to throw that out there. Um, but yeah, uh, I just wanted to. Okay, so uh, a more movie centric question to ask you would be like, uh, you know, what's your what's your favorite movie of all time? Let me tell you why I hate you so much. Um, <laughs> because uh i never know what my favorite anything is except dessert and i still have like two or three of those um peach cobbler by the way I, i'd rather have that than a birthday cake um damn but is it blasphemous to say i am a really really massive fan of um quentin tarantino but still haven't seen all his movies no it's not blasphemous I, i'm in that same uh, ballpark as well 
So as far as favorite, um, I wanted to say Pulp Fiction, but the Ving Rhames scene hurt my feelings. So um, oh, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I'm gonna say um, Kill Bill, both one and two, as um, as one a whole movie. thing. I think it's the only the only movie that I'd actually written a part three to in my head. Mm. You know, what's actually kind of funny is, uh, of course, Quentin Tarantino actually pitched that as a one big movie and the studio forced them to split it up because they didn't want to make a three hour epic or whatever. So they made two 90 minute movies. And then um, what's it called? Uh, when it comes to like uh, um, his advertising and stuff like that, I don't know if you remember, like when it came to uh, The Hateful Eight or whatever, there was a tra- like the, the trailers like from the director of such and such. And like he was part of his marketing campaign. He's like, he's this is his 10th movie. or I think it was his 10th or whatever, like his 10th movie. Um, he's you know, his 10th directed movie. And uh, that's actually not true. It would be his 11th because Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 are two different movies. But uh, when he's marketing it, he's counting them as one. So I would too. Just as a creator, as a creative, I wrote that as one story. Um, like, do you think we could call Infinity War and Endgame one movie? Um, it's no different than Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, when it comes to Infinity War and Endgame, I say they are two different movies with two different sets of themes, by the way. Um they're not one story, especially because they take place years apart from each other. Mm. Uh, with uh, uh, the Deathly Hollows, you know, part one and two, they were it was one book with one story, you know, with one you know arc as far as rising action and climax and everything. So I can respect that. That makes sense. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, that's I wanted to, since you're a music aficionado, I would I wanted to go ahead and ask you a very difficult question and put you on the spot and just try to like see if you can think of on your feet here. Um, when it comes to movie soundtracks, mm. what's the GOAT? Ooh. Ooh, see, I've been spending a lot more time lately with video game soundtracks and still cannot choose what I think is the best in like the last five, ten years. Um, so movie soundtracks, something that's just had a Pulp much... Fiction, by the way. That's a good, like, yeah, the, the theme song for Pulp Fiction. Um, okay, so oh, you're right. Um, Jackie Brown. Um, I, okay, so... While we're talking about Tarantino, he has some of the greatest soundtracks I've ever heard in my life in his movies. Um, and he's, he's a big music dude, too. So um, it's probably cheating, but I'm going to say Kill Bill again, because when I was younger. Um, I, that I whistle, that whistle theme song, that like the when you whenever that whistle song played, you know, someone about to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. As a kid. Um, well, as a teenager or whatever, when I, I I had my heart set on being just like a platinum selling rapper, um, my first quote unquote project, I, I, I won't do quotes because it was a real project. My first project was actually um, a Kill Bill project. Um, and each track was a sample flip of the tracks from the Kill Bill soundtrack. Mm. So yeah, I think uh, I, I have to say Kill Bill because that's the one that, that I lived with for the longest. You know, when I when I first started that question, like I haven't put any thought into it either. But my 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 first knee jerk reaction, and I usually when I like to go with that as far as like, you know, what is like, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And I'm not gonna lie, uh, Eight Mile, mm. eight, eight Mile soundtrack comes to mind. Like uh, Lose Yourself. I tell you, Eight Mile was a good soundtrack for me. Um, I, I it was one I was I was into, but the only song that that just really lived. Um, the only song that just really had a place in a lot of people's minds and hearts was Lose Yourself. Whereas with the Kill Bill soundtrack, I can't say I know the names of all the songs, but I can. there's at least five um, off the top of my head. The the Whistle song, um, Bang Bang, I Shot You Down, Bang Bang, that song. Um, there's, a, there's a bunch of songs from that The soundtrack. one that turned into a commercial, like... Five, uh, Woohoo, about a five, six, seven, yeah. eight. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, it's funny. <laughs> they said woohoo the whole song, and it's actually called woohoo. Um, but yeah, for anybody that's listening, if you want to check out that band, it's uh just a group of Japanese girls called the Five Six Seven Eights. Well, they're probably like older women now, but you know. Yeah, but they also like became a uh, like a, a Vonage commercial or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you uh, see, um, I should start a music podcast just to talk about commercial songs. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that's just something just to put you on the spot and stuff like that. But like I said, there's just too much to name. I'm pretty sure like that would be a whole topic of the show uh, on its own, by the, by the way, is, which I probably should do that Soundtrack maybe in a couple episode. weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. One last question here before we move on here. And I, I've just been very curious personally, like, you know, why the name Dallas, man? Like, I mean, first off, okay, let me, before you say anything, um, it's very simple. I would say that, like, it just like that's so elegant, right? <laughs> but it's also it, at the same time, it's twofold because it almost kind of makes you feel like it makes me think that you're a basic bitch as well. <laughs> uh, and third, and lastly, what if you're a fake? What if you're a front? And you don't actually live in Dallas and you live in Plano or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, um, there's. I actually live um, in Toronto, so I'm not even American. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, nah. Um, I, okay, so. It's funny because the name came from being the opposite of a basic bitch. Um, <laughs> because, like I okay. said, as a teenager, I had, um, like, platinum-selling dreams, right? And uh, yeah. so, you know, I was a rapper and blah, blah, blah. So I didn't even have a name at the time. Um, I was just making a lot of music. And my pops, he would listen to my music, and he said um, he ended up naming me Dallas. No man yet, just Dallas. Um just out the irony of me sounding nothing like any other person, any other musician from Dallas. Okay. Um, and so I had a song and like one of my first songs that just was known around the neighborhood and people just really liked. Um, and the opening words, like the first words I said in the first verse was Dallas man, like Dallas comma man. <laughs> and so it just ended up sticking. So people just started calling me Dallas man. <laughs> and <laughs> it, it just stuck. Okay. And do you actually live in Dallas or are you in Fort Worth or something like that? Oh, actually, no. You know what? No. Don't even say the city. Just say yes or no. Do you live in Dallas? Right now, no. Damn. <laughs> oh. I Did I just expose you? God. Man. They should call me Euless Man. <laughs> nah, there you um, go. I'm from Dallas. I, I lived in Dallas most of my life. Um, but after a certain age, I said, let me get out of here. Um, let yeah. me go and actually do something with my life. Uh, not saying people from Dallas don't do nothing with their lives, but it was a, it was something I needed to do to do something with mine. So, bet you know, hey, like it, that's a pretty good one and stuff like that. Like, uh, it almost I, I'm like I'm the kind of guy that likes to get like my socials all in order where it's the same on every platform. Like I'm chocolate eighty out on everything from like TikTok to Reddit to like you know, mm-hmm. but like Dallas man almost kind of feels like you got to fight somebody for that. You know? <laughs> I you, I kind of do. Um. Shout out to whoever took my name for from Xbox. I just recently got an Xbox. Um, I know, fight me. Um, <laughs> but shout out to whoever took my name, and now I have to be like Dallas Man fifteen oh eight or something like that. Um, <laughs> oh, that's the worst, dude. That's oh, that's terrible, man. And that's, PlayStation. Mm. Now I had to be uh, Dallas Man two one four on PlayStation because somebody took it. Mm. See, that's that's no bueno, man. You gotta uh, you, you gotta get all my digital real estate. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Chocolate 88, man, that's so unique and no one just takes it. Like I sometimes I'm late to a platform and it's still available, you know. <laughs> but anyways, uh yeah, that's uh that's fun. You're yeah, Dallas, you're a good sport and uh it was a good good chat here as far as uh, you know, just doing this little quick uh fireside chat type interview or whatever, just kinda going off the cuff. Um one of the things I notice is like just as it comes it comes to interview, it's always better to be more conversational. When I had um I feel really cringy, like like and I, no no offense to 
no no offense to the floor hugger she's a you know she's a very um you know lovely lady and a great on-screen personality but i botched her interview because it was so like too prepared where i already had a list of questions <laughs> and uh yeah it's too it wasn't very flowy uh but yeah anyways yeah i'm sure she'll but... give you a second chance <laughs> <laughs> So let's go ahead and move on to some impressions here. Uh, let's just basically we just basically we just talk about what we've been watching for the last uh, for the last weekend between last episode and this episode. It was a new episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And uh, for impressions, uh, I want to give you the uh, the the choice here. Do you want to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, like sort of above board and no spoilers, or do you want to give a spoiler warning and just sort of kind of go all in? Oh man. Um... To be or not to be, because if we give a spoiler warning and go all in, whoever hasn't seen it might um might click off. But um that also means the conversation can't go as deep as it could. Uh, you yeah. know what? Look, whoever hasn't seen it, um A, I'm sorry. B, please fast forward to whatever the timestamp might be. And um, yeah, the, and the show notes has the time codes for everything. So yeah, you can always look at the uh, the show notes and go to the next uh, the next thing we talk about. Mm-hmm. All right. But so yeah, spoiler warning, it, it is okay. Here we go. First off, can we just talk go straight to the ending and just talk about the the blood on on the the shield? Like that was some mm. next level imagery. <laughs> yeah. I never would have thought that Marvel or Disney would would put that on out there. You know what I mean? Like, holy shit, that's so intense. And it just it feels like one of those kind of things where they always say like a, a picture is worth a thousand words. And like when you saw that image, and it was just like. Like you were, you you felt that that crowd of people were in shock and awe, where they had their phones out, and every, I I felt like my heart was pounding in my chest when I saw that. It was just like, holy shit! You, you know, know this the the symbol of American exceptionalism just mm. really desecrated that. Like just crazy. I don't know. Just this show has gotten this show keeps getting better with every episode. Better and better. Oh yeah, for real. Um, I thought one division was um was like setting a bar high. Nope. Look, fight me <laughs> if you really love um, Scarlet Witch and Vision, but um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a great show and it's killing that show. Um, all right, so it makes me think about the first, um, the first MCU movie. Well, no, Iron okay. Man was the first, but it makes me think about Captain America: The First Avenger. Um, okay. And the dude that created the Super Soldier Serum, uh, who I can't remember his name. I'm sorry, comic fans. It was a Doctor Something or yeah, yeah. Yeah, it better have been Doctor Something making something injecting the people. Um, <laughs> but he went out of his way to find somebody who um was exceptional who had who was of exceptional character yeah um, pure of heart kind of thing yeah yeah he went out of his way to do that and now you know why and that's what this is because at this point people are getting the super soldier serum who are just regular people john walker love him or hate him is just a regular dude he might be um more physically fit than most people he might be um he might have more accolades than a lot of people because of his military service, but uh, we're seeing right now that as far as his heart goes, he's just a regular man, um, and he's susceptible well, to all the that. exactly with a very short fuse, and he's susceptible to all the shortcomings, the emotional and spiritual shortcomings that of every other human being, and give him superpowers, and it just makes it all worse. Yeah, good. Uh, good becomes great. And bad becomes worse, is what the doctor said in that scene. And yeah, you see it, like uh, how he had this—he has this like complex about him. And it's really interesting, by the way. Uh, as a separate side note, when it comes to this particular episode, Falcon and the Winter Soldier were sidelined, mm-hmm. and the show was about John Walker and about uh, 
uh, the Flag Smasher chick. What was her name? Uh, damn, her Carly name Morgenthau. Carl, yeah, Carly Morgenthau. That's the one. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the show was like uh, centered around their arcs and you know their their progression. You know what I find? And it was really good too. I find this interesting. It makes you ask, and I guess I'll ask you this question. Um, is John Walker? I'm trying to remember what it was now because I literally lost my train of thought mid sentence. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, it makes you ask. Is John Walker going off the deep end because he's just that type of dude and the super soldier serum kind of brought it out of him? Um, or, you know, his position as Captain America kind of brought it out of him? Or is he going over the deep end because he's dealing with the mental ramifications of the backlash from him being the new Captain America and people not accepting it and him getting that, um, him getting that backlash from the rest of the world because that's a lot for one man? Yeah, well, you noticed that he wasn't getting a lot of respect. You remember, like, when he was interrogating that one guy, he's like, do you know who I am? And he says, yeah, I don't care, you know? Mm-hmm. He definitely was feeling like, uh, like you can definitely see there was a chip on his shoulder, uh, both, you know, from not getting the respect that, you know, having the title of Captain America has, and also from the fact that he has a lot of insecurities because he saw in that locker room scene where he's getting, you know, pep talk, it's like, okay, you, you're, you were, you you're, you're good for this. You're you're uh, you're capable. You're up for this role and stuff like that. And he's just, you know, like having some self doubt and stuff like that. And you can actually see that just from the early onset, you can see that there's a huge difference between him and Steve Rogers because on their first fight scene, Steve, uh, you know, Steve Rogers usually tries to like, uh, you know, subdue some or yeah, I think that's the word, subdue somebody, mm-hmm. uh, you know, without hurt, without killing them and stuff. And then you saw him right off the bat. He just pulled a gun and just shot one of the super soldiers on the on the top of that eighteen uh, wheeler. Yep. You know, he's, you know, going straight for lethal. And uh, that's not very, uh, I don't know, Steve Rogers-ish, I guess. Is that how to put it that? And Steve, even as a super soldier, I mean, even before the super soldier serum, would not have used the gun. He he wouldn't have pulled the gun and used it on somebody. I don't know if y'all remember, um, and I'm probably getting this wrong, but there was like flashbacks in in like old TV shows and, um, and in comics of like, when he before he became Captain America, um, he he wasn't about using guns even in war. Yeah, yeah. So it just uh, there's definitely a lot going on as far as you know John Walker's position and stuff like that. I mean, on paper, if you look at his resume and you see you know what he's accomplished and how like you know good he is, he's won like two like medals of honor and stuff like that. Like on paper, he definitely does seem like he's the right fit, but psychologically, he's not. Um, you know, there's it's definitely. Um, it's, I don't know how to put it this, it's like, it's, it's very, there's like a lot of like, you know, weight that's put on one's shoulders when somebody's taking on like the, the face of America, exceptionalism and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, being like a hero, you know, being like glorified hero and stuff like that, where you can see that he clearly doesn't feel like a hero either. And when he's talking to, uh, um, his friend, uh, you know, RIP to his friend, by the way, mm-hmm. um, RIP Lamar. yeah, damn, I was trying to remember his, uh, his, his code name. I forgot. Damn. Mm-hmm. Shit. Uh, anyways, uh, sidekick. Uh, <laughs> uh, sidekick. Uh, but you know, it's kind of also. By the way, just that's almost kind of feels like a commentary where it's like, oh yeah, he's got a you know, since Falcon was uh, Captain America's you know black sidekick friend, he's also has to come standard issue with, with his own. Friend. I know that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> man, standard issue, man. Uh, so at least we know anyways. he's not racist over uh, over all this other stuff that he is. <laughs> <laughs> Even Iron Man had a, a black sidekick with uh, with Rhodes. Man, by the way, but. Uh, <laughs> Rody would get on your ass though. <laughs> like <laughs> he couldn't get over on Rody. Um, or at the very least he couldn't give him give him orders in the same way that John would be able to order around Lamar. True. Um, by the way, separate side note, um 
man, if Rhodes if Rhodes was in the show, man, he'd be whooping all these super soldiers asses real easily in, in the war machine armor. Man. So he showed up in the first episode and was like, "You got it," and <laughs> walked off. <laughs> He's somewhere in an interrogation room yelling at Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> but yeah, so um, as far as this, it almost kind of sucks, man. Like, I, I hate the fact that it's only six episodes. We're already well past the halfway point. A um, little bit of mystery, a little, little bit of setup. I was like, who's the, uh, uh, damn, what's the name of that character? Who's the, the power broker? You know, like, it's like, uh-huh. oh, everyone is speculating that it might be Sharon Carter or like these other fan theories about who it is. Like, uh, is it, um, uh, what was it's his It's going to be all girl uh, whose name I don't remember. The one that's helping them. It's going to be her. Sharon Carter. <laughs> That's yeah, what Sharon it, oh, right, right. Stupid question. I mean, <laughs> I was thinking it could have also be, um, what was his name from the Hulk movie? Uh, the, the general guy. Oh, general people Ross. do think it's going to be Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, yeah. So there's always that. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, or even more so, like somehow the power broker is still going to be uh, Baron Zemo. Like, that would be interesting. Like, that would be a plot sense, twist. though, because look at, look at Zemo's way of thinking. He, he does not care. Yeah. To be, um, he doesn't care that Winter Soldier is right there next to him and can and could pop his head like a pimple. He does not. It doesn't matter because um, he clearly, even if he does not, he clearly thinks that um, that he sort of has the the advantage in intelligence and that he could think his way out of the whole thing. And um, I mean, the way he's getting information, maybe he can. Right. Yeah. The thing he did with the kids that was genius. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. He's definitely got a. He's definitely like playing. He definitely plays like some uh, 4D chess with the with everyone and stuff like that in the room. And he's just kind of like just casually walks out and locks the door behind him and then does a uh, what was his name? Uh, damn, I really can't think today. Uh, an El Chapo. Yeah, there mm-hmm. you go. Uh, by the way, uh, that brings us to the other shout out that I wanted to give a shout out to. Shout out to the Dora Milaje and Ayo. Like, damn. Yeah. First off, they whoop ass. Okay, they they are they're like the world's being you know, they're. Even though they have no superpowers and stuff like that, they are like the world class, like you know, fighters mm-hmm. and everything. Like that's number one. Uh, you know, subduing Captain America, just casually like pinning his shield down. You know, and then also oh, just he's the Cap- one. Captain America. You know, like uh, uh, um, even without the super soldiers, you know, he's he's already strong. You know, uh, John Walker is a strong guy, and he's tr- struggling to get the shield out of that table, and the Dora Milaje just casually just yanked that spear out, like no problem. Mm-hmm. That's like fuck. Um, and then also. Um, Shout out to the very beginning of how they they did the flashback to Wakanda and stuff like that, and the the acting on um uh damn on the Winter Soldier's face I can't remember the name of the actor what's his Sebastian Stan okay. Sebastian Stan yes there you go why am I having a lot of mental farts but whatever anyways Sebastian Stan that facial expression where he was like you know a tear coming out of his eyes and stuff like that where he's you can see he's dealing with this trauma he's being told like his 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 code words and stuff like that and he just feels like so many complex emotions about it you know he's trying to like test whether or not he's truly you know been removed from his programming and he can see like both relief and also sadness and stuff like that when he's you know realizing that he's no longer in control or you know brain programmed or whatever you are free yeah oh god (laughs) yeah Yeah, dude man that hits right in the beginning that hits you in the feels man but like i mean he was to be in a mental prison like that like you could see like his struggle of um when am i going back because it's inevitable. Or he yeah. thought, so he thought. Yeah. Um, any last uh, shout-outs you wanted to give about this episode? Um, let me see. Uh, yeah, we had to talk about the Dora Milaje at some point. Um, yeah, my favorite... By the way, just... Oh, sorry. I don't want to... I'm sorry I cut you off, but, like, I just wanted to say, does... That's an interesting line that they said in the in that scene, by the way. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, 
Are we talking about the looking strong, John? <laughs> no, no. Uh, okay, so John Walker was like, uh, the Dora Milaje don't have jurisdiction here. And then they say, the Dora, Dora Milaje have jurisdiction they wherever they find themselves to be. To be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, just go for that one. Just just dissect that line right there. Yeah. Well, um, okay, so I don't know if people really pay attention to how Wakandans carry themselves, um, but King T'Chaka was the most laid back one. King T'Chaka was like, look, um, if we have to be here in a part of the world, since y'all know that we're here, um, I'm going to do what I need to, to, you know, show face. Um, T'Challa was like, this world is mine and you just live in it. I don't know if you understand that and I don't know if you know it, but your laws and your rules mean nothing to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely nothing. And um, and if you notice how the Dora Milaje act, um, Ayo showed a courtesy, uh, uh, showed a courtesy in following um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, because Giving she them eight knew, hours, yeah, yeah, she she showed a courtesy just following them to begin with, and not just showing up and snatching them, um, because she knew that Bucky would know that 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 she was following, and she knew that Bucky would turn around and address her. Um, she was there waiting for him because she knew that's exactly what was going to happen, and she showed that courtesy by um communicating with him and saying, "What the hell are you doing?" If it had been mm-hmm. anybody else, they just would have went in and, and snatched what they needed. Um, the, the way the Wakandans carry themselves, this is y'all world. They just in it. You just in it. I mean, the other way around. This is their world. You just in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it shows. And that's that one piece of dialogue kind of um, shows the attitude of every Wakandan that's ever left the country. Plus, Ayo has a she has a chip on her shoulder. If you think about it, because she was tasked with uh, protecting T'Chaka at the UN when he died Mm -hmm. so she has like uh it's like a piece of honor that it's a piece of honor that she needs to reclaim to get the person responsible for killing Mm t'chaka so uh but yeah no that line is interesting to me because like that one in particular is um interesting because that's a line that you would think john walker would say about being captain america (laughs) it makes sense though so it's like it's like uh it's like when you got to flip it and reverse it kind of thing and it's like damn it's so there, there's just layers. There's layers to the show, and I'm loving it. By the way, like if you ever notice, anytime somebody has a conflict with somebody from Wakanda, it's because they feel like you infringed on something, and um, you're not about to stop them from doing whatever they're about to do about it. <laughs> yeah, so it's really interesting. It's like uh, there's so many governments involved. You know, you know, Wakanda is its own like country and government and sovereignty and stuff like that, and they have their own laws and you know their own prisons and stuff like that, or their own punishment system, and it's like. You know, it's like who's got jurisdiction. It's like an interesting little conflict and stuff like that. Where, uh, like, if you saw in uh, in Black Panther, where you know uh, T'Challa was giving like a lot of courtesy to the CIA agent. I forgot his name, uh, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's funny though. All right, um, the only the other thing I watched this week besides uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I watched Thunder Force, and I'm not gonna lie, I feel like I had like a couple of brain cells die in me after having watched that movie. Um, I really didn't like it. Now, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm gonna go ahead and say that there were funny moments, there were chuckles in there, so it's not a complete waste of time. But overall, the movie just kind of sucked, and mm. uh, it's not even like I'm, I'm, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Like as far as like there is a qualifiers, you know, you always hear like this qualifiers, like oh that movie was good for a Netflix movie, and that almost this almost follows that formula as far as like if you qualify it as a Netflix movie, you can say that it's good. But even then. I'm even borderline on that. Like I can even almost slide the other way uh, where it's like, okay, it's still bad even for a Netflix movie. Um, But there, there were parts that just, you know, like 
that just dragged on and you can tell that these guys are not they're not good at improvising uh, imp like improv because there were a bunch of dialogue scenes that were like little goofy moments that they were trying to do and you can tell like the director was just you know pointing the camera at them and just say go and mm -hmm. so they're just trying to like you know spitball some lines or some gaffes or goofs or like but then what ends up happening is certain things that fall flat certain punchlines that just fall flat and then they drag it on trying to make it a thing and it's like you know uh, that thing that reminds me of that line from uh, Mean Girls like quit trying I'm to trying make to fetch a thing <laughs> I was thinking that when you said it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like the movie was kind of cringy at times uh but there were good things in it and stuff like that um you know there were overall it was a pretty formulaic movie that you can see it's very tropey you can see a lot of the the future plot lines like like one like an hour down the road you know what's about to happen but you watch it anyways um not gonna lie even though it's popular on netflix it's you know like it's like the number one on netflix right now i just don't think it's a good recommendation for me uh but if you're looking to have a movie night with like you know friends or family members or, or a loved one or whatever like just put just pop some popcorn at home and there you go then that's fine but overall it's a meh for me you know um shout out to melissa mccarthy and i'm, I'm sorry all your movies keep doing that because i like her um yeah. ever since i seen um bridesmaids i liked her yes. but um the way you just described thunder force it reminds me of the way I felt about Happy Time Murders. <laughs> that like, that makes sense. Yeah. Plus, exactly. Melissa McCarthy just plays the same character over and over again. By the way, separate, just yep. as a separate side note. And it usually works for people. It yeah. worked for for Sam Jackson. It worked for like. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for people. I mean, Tarantino played the same dude no matter what time period. He just put himself in in the movie so he could say the N word, like pretty much. So like, I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah, like, you convinced um, me I'm not gonna... to watch Thunder Four. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll put it to you this way: like, um, you know, she's done like some good movies, like some good heavy hitters, like The Boss or whatever. But like, there was a movie that where she kind of felt like Melissa McCarthy uh, jumped the shark. And the movie that I'm thinking about is uh, Tammy. Like, I feel like that's when she jumped Tammy? the shark. As I haven't as... seen Tammy. Yeah, nobody, nobody here cares. <laughs> but even before that, you go Identity Thief. She was good in. Like, she was good in. I think she was okay in The Heat. You know. Uh, but after that, after a while, it just sort of like kind of falls apart and, uh, you know, Kevin, Hart, but Kevin Hart plays the same character every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that stick kind of just runs out. It kind of, it kind of runs out after a while, but uh, I will, I will say this. Um, and I, I'm a little, I don't know how to put this. I'm a little disappointed in Octavia Spencer because mm. she is an Academy Award winning actress. And she's in this movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, she brings, like, a certain sincerity to the role. And you can tell she's trying. You know, she's really taking it seriously and, you know, delivering these lines with with a certain, like, um, a compassion, you know, when, when she's got actually, she actually has a storyline, you know what I mean? Like, with a daughter and stuff and trying to learn to be a better mother and stuff. And you can tell she's taking her, her role seriously and she's, you know, delivering the sciencey mumbo-jumbo lines with a very straight face. <laughs> but... You know, it's a waste of an Academy Award-winning actress's talent. You know, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, but anyways, enough about Thunder Force. Um, uh, tell me, Dallas, what have you been watching? Um, so I've been watching um, Prime's Invincible, and um, if you haven't seen Invincible, how do I put this? Because it's based off um, it's based off a comic book, one of my favorite uh, comics from Image, and. Um, the thing that I usually use to pitch the comic is not the thing that I can use to pitch the show because we're, we're what, four episodes in and mm -hmm. they haven't made it to that reveal um, that kicks off the comic for me, which is 
freaking crazy. But um, and I can see what they they plan on doing. They it's written by Robert Kirkman, uh, same dude as Walking Dead. And um, if you were a fan of The Walking Dead, you'll probably be a fan of this. Um, only there's a lot more humor here than it is in The Walking Dead. Um, I'm not really a super huge comic guy, but I'm a pretty big comic dude. Um, like I dabble and I dabble a lot. Um, and Invincible made it to my top three. Um, it's number three, but it's still in my top three, and that says a lot. Um, it's basically based on the son of that universe's Superman, if I can mm. put it any other way. He's, it's based on the son of that universe's Superman. And it's in a world where, obviously, um, superheroes, it's like the, every comic trope is a thing. And they do do that thing of um, kind of subverting some tropes, but some of them they also lean into. Like, it's a superhero show, and it knows it, and it loves it, but it's also gory. It's also, um, there's also a lot of drama. It's also a very deep thing. There's, there's a lot of uh, facets to the show. Um, but first and foremost, and more than anything, it's a superhero show. And um, yeah, it's one of those things. If you like the gory, bloody. Um, is it like the boys kind of like in that kind of sense? Or is it more like. Yes and no. Hmm. Because the, the heroes are like sort of like real people, quote unquote. But they're more. The more real people than like the mustache twirling villains that that you would see. They do have mustache twirling villains, but um, those kind of stay in that box. Um, it's one of those. How do I put it? It's it's pretty much exactly what I what I explained, and I really don't want to give it more than that because this is one of those shows that I want anybody and everybody to watch. Like um, mm. Prime for this being an original, this is one of them. This like you know how you know the phrase. The book is better. Um, yeah. That's how I felt with... That's how I'm sure a lot of people feel with the boys. I didn't read those books. That's how I felt with uh, Preacher. Um, and that's how I usually feel about stuff based off comic books. But in this case, so far, the show is right on par with the book. And that's okay. uh, that says a lot. Um, I will say this. Uh, I've seen headlines even when researching for the show and stuff like that. And I haven't actually covered it because... Uh, I haven't personally watched it, but uh, I've been seeing a lot of like headlines about how successful the launch was of the show and how it's getting crazy numbers. So um, yeah, and I know it's the, I know it's currently the hotness right now, and I feel like I need to get on it before you know um, before it stops before it becomes the you know cold, I guess, if, for lack of a better word. Oh, you should. It's because it's it's very cool. Um, okay. All right. And by the way, do, just as a separate side note, like. Do you, when I hear like the word invincible, like just hearing the word, seeing the word, uh, I know, I know that the show is animated, but do you feel like this show would be better if it were live action? Oh no. Mm -mm. Hmm. Because it's basically the comic translated as perfectly as possible. With um, the same art style and everything, right? And everything. I mean, sometimes, yeah, it's the same because the same, okay. I've seen people look at, um, look at the animation and say, oh, that's a little, it's a little janky in some parts. The comic is a little janky in some parts. <laughs> it's the nice. perfect translation. A perfect Does it have like that uh that interesting frame rate that like Into the Spider Verse had? You know what I'm talking about? That oh, no. stop motiony kind of. No, I think it's about um. It can be. I don't think it's any less than 24 frames. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Well, that's interesting. I'm definitely gonna check that out. Maybe I'll talk about it next week as well. Um. All right. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and and uh, move on to the news. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Okay, so for the news, we have five headlines to talk about, and uh, let's go ahead and start off with this uh, article. It comes from Screen Rant, and it says here, Dune's HBO Max release could change after uh, Godzilla vs. Kong's success. 
<clears throat> it says here, it reads, uh, Dune could still play in theaters exclusively, exclusively after all, with Warner Brothers and Legend Legendary still undecided about the film's release plan. The highly anticipated adaptation of Frank Herbert's semi seminal sci-fi novel has faced a long road to theaters like blockbusters that were originally slated to be released in 2020. Dune was originally scheduled to hit theaters on December 18th when uh, WB made the last-minute decision to push the film back to October 2nd, 2021, with the film zeroing in on Batman's release date, the Batman's release date, and pushing the film into 2022. When Warner Brothers controversially, controversially announced that the entire 2021 slate would be hitting theaters and HBO Max, Dune was included in that list, but Legendary has pushed back against this with the potential lawsuit. So has director Denis Villeneuve with at, both advocating for an exclusive theatrical release that could give Dune the best chance of launching uh, what is a potentially massive franchise. Uh, talk on the lawsuit uh, front has died down in recent months, but it seems like both the studios are still trying, uh, still hard at work trying to figure out uh, what to do with the 2021's biggest blockbuster. Uh, Deadline reports that Legendary and Warner Brothers are still unsure of whether or not Dune will go to HBO Max. Legendary is still negotiating for an exclusive theatrical release, but this has not stopped the streamer from promoting the film as part of their high-profile lineup. Okay, so that's an interesting take there here. So, you know, um, Legendary Pictures, they are the financiers. They're the ones that put their money into, um, you know, funding the, the project. And Warner Brothers is like the distributor. They're like essentially like a publisher. And what ends up happening is uh, Warner Brothers are just, you know, trying to uh, do that thing where they're like, okay, all our films are going to be day and date where it's going to go to theaters and on HBO Max. But uh, Legendary has two, has two things that are going – that they – two reasons um, not to do it, uh, to be, go to exclusive to theaters. And both those reasons are money. You know, number one, they paid so much money to to make that movie, they need to get the most return on investments. And so the, the theater uh, box office is the way to go. And the second is you need to be a, have a franchise starter. If this movie flops, there isn't going to be a sequel. And they want that. They want these uh, future movies in the pipelines not to be uh, sacrificed at the altar for WB putting content on HBO Max. So knowing all of this, Dallas, what do you think uh, is the right move or do you feel like this should be uh, the exception to the Warner Brothers' slates? You know, um, I don't know. I'm of two minds about this. Um, okay, so, well, maybe three because... <laughs> maybe three because for one, on, just on a very personal level, um, I'm not vaccinated yet. Oh, snaps. I'm, I'm not. Um, okay. And until I am, I... Sorry, I'm just I'm not going to the movies. It's just okay. it's not happening. But because I wasn't um I never I didn't get the chance to experience the cultural phenomena that is Dune, you know? Right. Um and I thought that this would be my gateway to it. Mm -hmm. Um but I'm just not going to theaters and I hope I don't miss it, but I, it's one of those cases of why can't you do both? <laughs> well, obviously I, I will say this as a counter to the point is like Godzilla versus Kong like basically set the new record for the highest post pandemic opening weekend box office and stuff like that. So what we do know is that you can go to theaters and on HBO Max and still make bank at the box office. You know what I mean? And it's only March when it opened. It opened on March 30th. Uh, so if this movie does hit October, more people will be vaccinated and stuff like that. Like I'm still getting, I'm still waiting for my second vaccine, by the way. So, um, you know, more, more and more people will get vaccinated, and so it'll presumably be getting safer the the, the more time goes on. So, um, you know, it could be 
financially responsible for you to be exclusive in theaters. So I don't know. What do you think? If that's the case, don't you think um, a delay would have made sense? <laughs> oh, yeah. Delay to 2022. And that um, just there's a, makes sense. When it comes to box office, uh, a lot of these movies, they're not like, you know, Legendary doesn't have like $200 million lying around in their bank accounts to make the movie. <laughs> so what they do is a lot of times is they take loans out. And these loans, they have um, uh, these terms where they know when their movie is expected to release. So they can basically start making payments on said release date. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is um, when these movies get delayed, you're accruing interest on a loan that you haven't begun making payments on. Okay. You see, that, I'll just learn something today. Um, <laughs> now, in that case, it is financially responsible because some people are going, like, I mean, the South is going to give you all your money back. <laughs> just right, right off top. That's going to happen. Um in that case, yes, I do think it's financially responsible. Even though, personally, I think if you were able to, it would make more sense to delay. But if you're not able to, I get it. And um, just on a very personal level, from from just my point of view, I don't want to miss it. But uh, I hope I'm vaccinated by then. All right. Okay. Um, any other minds? You said you're of three minds, but it felt like you only said one. <laughs> um, oh, I thought I said two. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> so that was the one was, can we do both? And the second one, I, I still was going to say... Um, Either way, it would be if it's just about making money, then it does make the most sense to uh, release in theaters exclusively. And um, dang, you know what? It might have just been two. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, me too, by the way. I just wanted to say, I, as far as my take on this, is like I'm very, I'm very, um, how do I put this? Uh, like I'm fi I'm fifty fifty as well because uh, you know having having watched Godzilla versus Kong at home on HBO Max a part of me did regret not being able to watch it on the big screen because it was made for a big screen. And like even my home theater setup, as badass as it is, I still felt like it was lacking. Mm. Um, so I feel like, especially since I will definitely be vaccinated by the end of the month, and we're gonna, if this movie comes out in October, I can go to theaters pretty safely and stuff like that. I wouldn't be any chip, uh, anything off of my shoulders or whatever. Um, but at the same time, like my lazy fat ass loves HBO Max and just having the convenience of watching stuff at home. So it's like, I could I can go mm. either way and stuff like that, but... Uh, from a practical standpoint, HBO Max makes sense. From a experience standpoint, theaters make sense. But also, uh, theaters aren't just more—they aren't just experience. It's also, you know, more lucrative as far as money because you get uh, money per head, whereas you don't really get money per stream. So I give you this though: I do miss theaters. <laughs> Bet. Uh, okay. Next up, uh, we have from WeGotThisCovered.com. It says here on the headline, Black Widow's box office projections have tripled since last year. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong may have breathed new life into the stagnant box office, but there's still a long way to go until things return to normal. Indeed, with a five-day haul of $48 million, it might have spa smashed every box office record set during the pandemic era. It's certainly much less than half of a two what a $200 million blockbuster sequel would be expected to earn under regular circumstances. One of the first major titles to be delayed as a result of the coronavirus pandemic was the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Black Widow, which is arriving 14 months behind the schedule in July, with the Disney Plus Premiere Access hybrid release to boot. However, a new report indicates that pushing Natasha Romanoff's solo debut back for so long um, has more than tripled its chances at finding commercial success. Apparently, had Black Widow hit theaters last May as planned, as planned, its entire domestic call was projected to top out at $45 million. However, 
uh, now that large swaths of the industry have reopened in particular mar key markets such as New York and Los Angeles, the long-awaited superhero adventure could close out its theatrical run with a tally as high as $170 million in the U.S. Or maybe, I don't know if it's in the U.S. alone or worldwide, but anyways, uh, while that's miles away from the typical MCU outing, it would be a huge win in the COVID-19 era, especially when Kate Shortland's film will be available from day one on Disney Plus to subscribers, uh, to Disney Plus' subscriber base with over 100 million as well. The reports also goes on to say that Black Widow uh, may score a $63 million opening weekend, and while that would be the third lowest in the franchise history after The Incredible Hulk's $55 million and Ant-Man's $57 million, it would nonetheless be uh, more than a solid enough debut with, uh, given the limitations of any movies these days in terms of maximizing its earning potential. So... Yeah, um, obviously, uh, in this COVID-19 era, a delay is always going to be better off because uh, the situation is uh, more than likely it's supposed to get better with time. So pushing it out to July is going to basically give you more money than having released back last year in 2020. So, uh, yeah, Dallas, is there any thoughts that you have on Black Widow? Like, are you personally going to be like paying the $30 to watch it at home? Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. Um, okay, so my theory uh, is... Theory. It's my real opinion on what's going on. I don't think it's got shit to do with Kong or theaters or anything like that. Um, I think pre-COVID, everybody was thinking, you know, I like the MCU. Um, Endgame was great. And because of that, I'm going to see Black Widow, but or probably, but maybe I'll catch it later. It won't be interesting. Um, but the MCU's proven themselves since then. Um, given WandaVision and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier thus far, I think um, they sort of proved that they could do really, really well with stories that the layman might not think would be that interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and not even the layman, because I, I know diehard fans that don't that did not think that um, that a Black Widow movie could be good. But also, nah. people comment that it's like five years too late. It should have came out around the time Civil War came out, you know. So. Yeah. I watch anything that Disney puts out MCU because <laughs> they have proven themselves thus far. And until they show me something that I don't like, I'm going to keep watching uh, Marvel stuff. Yeah, true. I mean, whenever you think about WandaVision, everyone was like a skeptical. And then uh, next thing you know, it it's so like good. a darling, you know? And then Falcon and the Winter Soldier is better. <laughs> Some people might fight you on that, by the way. They so. have to because yeah. I'm standing on it. I'm dying <laughs> on that hill. Or they dying on that hill because you got to fight me. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like that's an interesting thing. Like, um, you know, they announced the uh, the Disney Plus premiere thirty dollar window thing um, alongside the the theatrical release in July. Uh, like, I think it was like a week before uh, Godzilla versus Kong came out in theaters. And I'm wondering if like uh, you know Disney executives are slapping themselves on the head for announcing this this uh, dual release when they could have just as easily just kept it theatrically exclusive and then basically up their chances of making more box office you know what i mean like i wonder if this uh if this release strategy is something that they are you know obviously they're committed to but if they're you know slightly regretting that release strategy you know i wonder i think black widow black widow's release might tell us hmm. i think um that'll be where we get to see yeah true uh, that and also, I mean, um, I said this once before on a previous podcast where it's like, you know, all $30 goes to Disney. They don't have to, they don't have to split it. So mm -hmm. when it comes to the box office, some goes to the movie theater chains and some goes to Disney. So uh, there's, a, there's, there's always give and take, of course. But yeah, 
All right, next, next headline. This comes from uh, The Hollywood Reporter. It says here that Netflix nabs a post-premium uh, video on demand streaming rights to Sony's feature films in a multi-year deal. Uh, the exclusive first pay window licensing deal is in the U.S. will begin with the studio's film slate next year in 2022, which includes anticipated titles such as Morbius and the Uncharted movie. Um, unlike Disney, NBC Universal, and Viacom CBS, Sony notably has not launched a direct-to-consumer streaming service to complete to compete with Netflix. Instead, the studio is cementing its future in a major deal with Netflix, Sony has inked a multi-year exclusive first pay window licensing deal in the U.S. that will allow Netflix first pay window rights to Sony Pictures titles following their theatrical and home entertainment windows. The studio announced Thursday, the typical pay one window is 18 months. Since 2006, Sony's pay TV partner has been Lionsgate-owned stars. For theatrical, uh, theatrical released films, the first five-year pact will begin with Sony's 2022 slate, which includes Morbius, Uncharted, Bullet Train, and the sequel to the Oscar-winning Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. In the future, it will also cover installments from major Sony uh, franchises like Jumanji and Bad Boys. Sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that the deal is worth roughly $1 billion to Sony. Uh, Netflix, which has announced, which has been spending billions to build out its library of its own anticipation of the launch of uh, studio streaming services, uh, will also have access to a new library of films. The streamer will have the ability to license the rights and select titles from Sony's libraries, which includes Columbia's nearly century-old catalog, as well as studio labels such as TriStar, Sony Pictures Classics, and Screen Gems. So, let me ask you this, Dallas: Does it feel like? Does it feel like spending a, a billion dollars to Sony is the right move for Netflix to get their catalog on their on their streaming service? You know, just when you think Netflix might be irrelevant, <laughs> they go in and make a move like this. Just when you get on Netflix and you you find yourself regretting the time you spent watching Thunder Force, you sit there and you realize, oh, I'm going to be able to watch Uncharted. Oh, wait, they're doing a Horizon Zero Dawn movie. Oh, wait. HBO is getting um, The Last of Us, but I'm sure it's not going to stop there. You know, like, okay, so as it, as it is, Sony has a massive catalog, right? Right. Um, and it's a lot of classics in there, a whole lot of classics in there, right? But looking forward, you see, um, you remember the PlayStation Studios thing was big news. And now we see where all of that's going. And people like me are going to pull up for all of that. And I think, I mean, it may be a billion-dollar gamble. But um, as long as, I think as long as Sony stays, you know, or <laughs> gets in front of this stuff that's happening right now, right now and stays in gamers' good graces and continues to put out bangers, that God of War movie that comes out or show or whatever that comes out, because we, we know something's coming, um, that Horizon Zero Dawn movie that all of these fans are going to watch that over and over and over. I'm saying over and over and over, but um, I think they make that money back. Yeah, I mean... See, there's a thing. Like, it's like you know, Netflix. They're in this weird position where I don't think they've actually made money. Um, every year, they spend more money than they're making um, from the subscriptions and stuff like that, which is really interesting because we talked about on this podcast how Netflix uh, crossed the two hundred million dollar or two hundred million subscriber mark. They're like the number one stream uh, streamer streaming service as far as uh, number of subscribers, with like Disney Plus 
being second place at 100 million uh, subscribers. I mean, nobody um, says Disney and chill. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, there was somebody who was trying to make Disney Plus and Thrust uh, as like uh, their... <laughs> <laughs> they need to go to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, Netflix and chill, man. That's kind of, it's, it's kind of stayed in that cultural zeitgeist as far as like, you know, everyone talks about like all the new hotness shows, like, you know, when Stranger Things drops and stuff like that. Um, but you know, yeah, it's really kind of interesting. Important. What's up? They say, um, they say the best, they say the best promotion is word of mouth. Yeah. And um, the best thing you can do for yourself as, and as a company, as an entity is um is on mind share more yeah. mind share than your competitors and that's why um sony has looked the way it looks um that's why playstation has looked the way it looks not to make this a whole console thing but that's why playstation has looked the way it's looked um to the world and that's why um people go oh well if if so if microsoft did this if xbox did, did this um you'd be all over them but playstation does it and it's okay it's because they have that mind share they have um th- people have these rose tinted lenses on um, mm. When it comes to Sony and what they do in gaming, and I think they're banking on that transferring over um, to film. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like uh, like this, um, what was I was someone's gonna say? Fuck, I freak! I lost my train of thought. I'm like, I'm not on point today, but and that's what um, happened with Netflix, though. They have that <laughs> uh, When it when it comes to this uh, particular situation, like um, you know, Disney Plus, that's Disney. Paramount Plus, that's Paramount, you know what I mean? Like, uh, NBC Universal has Peacock, you know? Uh, <laughs> which is, that's a thing, by the way. I'm not, not lying. It is. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like they all, all these, the, um, these movie uh, companies, they have their own direct-to-consumer outlet. And it's really interesting that Sony hasn't made a Sony Plus, you know what I mean? Um, I think they, they try it. They tried mm-hmm. with um, crackle, with, maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> crackle, it was I forget what it was called. Um, it was like play, it was PlayStation something, like with the movie PlayStation View. Oh yeah, that's right. Yes. Um, and I, I watched you can get the Sony movies on. on PlayStation View. I forgot about that. Yeah, I watched one show on, it, and it's still selling movies um, through the PlayStation Store. But I watched oh, literally one show on it, right? Um, and I forgot it was called. Um, it was like some superhero Powers. thing. They, they they made it exclusively, right? Powers. Yeah, um, and it felt like watching like like they tried to make a gr- a slightly grittier version of Heroes. <laughs> it felt like watching that. Don't get me wrong, I liked Heroes up until it got all CW. But um, like I, I I understand why they did that. Like they cannot. I think they should be too busy instead of making like a, a video platform. They need to be busy trying to make um, a freaking Sony version of Game Pass. They need to go do that. Um, <laughs> they nice. don't need to worry about movies right now. Yeah, and then and then of course they can just make money off of it by giving you know having Netflix give them a billion dollars for their rights to their theatrical movies that they're not putting out on Sony Plus. You know, so it all works out in the end. But anyways, next up is gonna come from uh, this story comes from Variety, and there's a lot of uh, headlines within this one story. So it's. Uh, there's like stories within a story here, so this one might be a little complicated, but it's regarding some Paramount delays um, and uh, announcements. We usually don't cover delays. We usually talk about delays in the uh, extra news, but uh, this is kind of uh, substantial because there's new movies were announced with these delays, which is crazy. It says here, Top Gun, Maverick, Mission Impossible 7, among the latest in Paramount delays. Uh, Paramount has de- uh, re- delayed the release for major, uh, several major films, including Top Gun, Maverick. Mission Impossible 7, Dungeons and Dragons, and more. In total, 
10 films had their release dates shuffled, with three of them starring Tom Cruise. Uh, Top Gun Maverick is flying to November the 19th, which had its previous release date in July. Mission Impossible 7, um, which had its uh, spot taken by Top Gun, is getting pushed to next year from November to May of 2022. Its sequel, Mission Impossible 8, was originally dated for November of 2022, is now coming out in July 2023. The, Dungeon, the Dungeons and Dragons movie starring Chris, Pri, uh, Chris Pine and Hugh Grant uh, has been moved from May of 2022 to March 2023. The fourth installment in the Jackass franchise has been delayed from, from September to October. The G.I. Joe spinoff movie Snake Eyes starring Henry Golding is the lone movie to jump forward. It will release three months earlier uh, on July 23rd, 2021, instead of October 22nd. Four previously undated movies were added to the release calendar. An untitled movie about the Bee Gees will bow on November of 2022. The next Star Trek film will beam up on June 9th, 2023. The Shrinking, the Shrinking of Treehorn will release on November 10th, 2023. And an untitled film starring Ryan Reynolds and John Krasinski will hit theaters on November 17th, 2023. Amid Paramount's release date sh uh, shakeup, Universal and Blumhouse moved up the Forever Purge, the latest in the horror franchise, one week from July 9th to July 2nd. So that's a lot of stuff. And the biggest headline that, pe that people don't uh, really realize is that Paramount just announced that there's going to be another Star Trek movie. And so I'm wondering if this is going to be Star Trek Four, starring Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto, or if this is going to be a Star Trek reboot series where it's like a, a completely new slate of actors. Why do I feel like it's going to be like the movie for the TV show? <laughs> nice. I feel like it's going to be that. But you can tell by the way I use my walk that I'm excited for that Bee Gees movie. Um, the rest, eh, we seen what happened the last time they made a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Um, I... I'm also, I, I believe that the Jackass movie, uh, the Jackass 4 has not been officially announced. So this is basically them announcing that there's going to be another Jackass movie. So Right. So um, what they need to do is take that Jackass movie and go back to 2001 um, <laughs> where people cared about it. Because I mean, Jackass, is that still popular? Uh, you know what? I, I believe Jackass 3 still did money at the box office. Yeah, hmm. But that was when it was in 3D and people like 3D was all the rage. Um, but yeah. Jackass um, though? Okay, Mission Impossible. I can see why some people would want to see that. I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan, but whatever. Um, Top Gun, I can see why people would want that. I'm not a big fan, but I understand. Dungeons and Dragons even. That makes sense. Now that BG's movie, I just said I'm excited for it. Everything else... I mean, Star Trek has its has its audience. I feel like, mm, where's your where's your creativity, sir? Or <laughs> hey, Ryan Reynolds and John Krasinski—that's an interesting team up, by the way. Um, but I like I like how their calendar goes all the way to 2023. Um, but separate side note, like I just wanted to say that um, we we covered a news story uh, from a previous episode of the podcast where we talked about how um, uh, Mission Impossible Seven and Mission Impossible Eight are no longer going to shoot back to back because what they wanted to originally do is they wanted to make it one big production because right now they're still filming Mission Impossible Seven by the way um, you know with masks on and stuff um, and uh, they they had to make them two separate productions because they uh, the Tom Cruise. He has to go on like talk shows, even like you know, does promotions for 
you know, for Top Gun, uh, as far as like doing the media rounds, you know, doing interviews and promotion. And mm-hmm. so he, he couldn't schedule himself to be doing the media rounds for, to promote Top Gun and also film, uh, Mission Impossible. So they had to break it up. So that way he can be scheduled to do, you know, you know, take a break from Mission Impossible seven, wrap on, on seven, promote Top Gun, and then go back to filming eight. And now because of these delays, it almost kind of feels like since, uh, Top Gun isn't coming out till November, you can probably re rejigger these plans to film seven and eight back to back, which uh, that hasn't been officially announced yet either. Yeah. Okay. Um, hmm. They're really working this man to death. <laughs> Not a whole lot to go off of there, but yes. Um, that being said, um, yeah, the purge, uh, I know like there was like the last movie I remember was called like the purge anarchy, but now it's going to be called the forever purge. Does that oh mean like God. the pur- the purge happens and instead of 24 hours, it's just like, the Purge, but all year round, you know, that'd be interesting. Why is the Purge special then? <laughs> it was special because of one year and everything. I think it was special because that was a lot of people's fantasy. I just oh want to be God. able to run around and do whatever the hell I want to do, like uh, kill that neighbor that let his dog shit in my yard. And um, yeah, I don't know. You know what's going to interesting is like I've only seen the first Purge. And I actually thought to myself that because the, the first Purge was actually a low budget movie and it takes place in one house for one family that I felt like there was a wasted concept that uh, didn't deliver. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, damn, that's such a good idea. But you, you, you were zooming in on one family on one night, you know, and one house, and you didn't really see, like, the bigger societal thing or whatever. And it's really interesting, like, the sequels actually did better because they, the second movie, uh, which I haven't seen even, by the way, the second movie did, um, uh, um, like, it actually showed a, a take place over a whole city that was in shambles. And the third movie was a prequel that showed how it, the, the purge even started, which is a very interesting, like, uh, take on, like, societal decay and how it, how it comes to that. So uh, I didn't even really, really knew that there was going to be a, the forever purge. So, um, yeah, whatever. It's, it's kind of whatever for me, personally. Yeah. I mean, truth be told, it made sense to i mean after the first purge it made sense to to say hey look this is what it looks like citywide and then it made sense to go hey this is how it started um showing the countrywide view um at that point nobody's flying a plane over the freaking uh east asia to like shoot people so um you can't do it like on a worldwide scale just um uh, or are they even purging in other countries come to think of it I don't even know. With I think the purge within the the, the universe, like within that, that fictional narrative, I think it's like U.S. only. Uh, I feel I'm like once mistaken. they once they make the TV show, which is all right, uh, it don't suck. Uh, once they make the TV show, that was the perfect place for that to live after the uh, third purge movie. Hmm. Um, and I forgot about she, that. Yeah, I think that was that was the perfect place for that concept to live and for them to be able to play with it uh, creatively, but. I want to know what the what the forever purge is going to be about. Like my just looking at that title, that's like that's what it sounds like. It's like okay, the purge is on and it's not going to turn off. Well, that'd be interesting. But. I feel like once Marlon Wayans make a movie spoofing it, it's time for you to stop. <laughs> that being said, Marlon, if you're listening, please make a, a Fast and the Furious uh, parody. Oh God. Don't do that to me, man. Come on, please. <laughs> please do that so they can stop making these movies. Oh, my God. <laughs> let Vin Diesel make another Riddick movie, please. <laughs> the last story comes from uh, IndieWire, and it says here that the Warner Media CEO admits company stumbled in announcing the 2021 films shifting to HBO Max. Uh, this is an, uh, a story that we actually commented on, like, because we caught as, as when it was when I was commentating, uh, a lot of commentators were were talking about how you know HBO dropped the ball. They were they were they they suck they suck they fucked up, and now the CEO admits to how they fucked up. Here we go. It says here 
that uh, Warner Brothers filmmakers were crushed to learn that their movies were heading straight to HBO Max in 2021. Filmmakers like uh, Dune director Denis Villeneuve were crushed to learn that their film's sudden hybrid release model fate uh, back in December of 2020 when Warner Brothers announced that it would shift all its 2021 films to uh, titles from uh, today and date rollouts in theaters and on streaming platforms uh, on the streaming platform HBO Max. That won't be the case in 2022, as Warner Brothers is already striking uh, agreements with the theaters to install a 45-day theatrical exclusive window. Um, Yet the damage is done, and Christopher Nolan uh, went off on the studio uh, from dumping its slate of movies onto HBO Max, which called it the worst streaming service. Uh, That's what his words. Um, In an interview with with, uh, Vox Recode podcast, Jason uh, Kilar, CEO of Warner Brothers and HBO Max parent company Warner Media, he admits that the company could have approached the announcement differently by opening up more dialogue with filmmakers and talent. Quote, there's no doubt that it was a bumpy – that it was bumpy back in early December of last year, he said, adding that if he could do it over again – he'd likely give more of an advance warning to members of Hollywood before dropping the bomb. Quote, if I had the chance to do it over again, I think it's very unfair to say that we would have taken a uh, taken more, uh, a couple of more days to see if we could have had even more conversations than we were able to have. There is absolutely no love for cinema nor the audience here, uh, uh, Villeneuve wrote in an essay back in December around the shift. Uh, it's all about the survival of a telecom mammoth, one that is currently bearing an astronomical debt of more than $150 billion. Therefore, even though Dune is about cinema and audiences, AT&T is about its own survival on Wall Street. With HBO Max's uh, launch a failure thus far, AT&T decided to sacrifice Warner Brothers' entire 2021 film slate in a desperate attempt to grab the audience's attention for HBO Max. So, uh, yeah, there was, everyone was mad that, um, you know, out of left field, Warner Media and AT&T, they all, like, just decided, like, hey, uh, 2021 movies, they're all coming on HBO Max, day and date with the with the theater releases and they told none of the directors and and producers and people that have financial stakes in these movies and that's why uh legendary pictures was suing them because they were they did not agree to that that was not in their contracts these contracts were like these movies are coming out to theaters and uh you know exclusively as well you know so yeah uh it's really interesting that the ceo <laughs> like admits that yeah we fucked up we were we just kind of sort of jumped the gun and just sort of just announced it without talking to anybody and uh it's almost kind of like you know this i don't know that this doesn't feel like good enough because like it, it may be an apology but it's really like too little too late the damage is done kind of thing but uh yeah what are your what are your thoughts on this yeah that was a bitch move that was an <laughs> asshole move to make um okay now as far as the ramifications do i think it's that deep the the whole mammoth uh trying to no it's it's not that deep but i understand why you would get on their ass like that believe me i get it um so that being said is there what do you do when as a company you have contractual obligations um but you feel you need to pivot in order to survive hmm that's, that's not sure good. because like cuz think about AT&T and Warner Media is like there's like they're like subsidiaries of each other and stuff like that. So it's like it's 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 like a company owning a company open, owning another company, you know what I mean? It's like uh it's like a I don't know. It's uh it's interesting because it's like 
you know, big companies like that, they have major arms, like, you know, like something like LG, they have, you know, an appliance arm that makes like refrigerators and stuff. And they have a TV arm and they also had a cell phone arm that they just cut off, by the way. So they're literally just trying to pivot and make sure that they're doing business in places where they, they're profitable. So for LG, it makes sense for them to, to end their, their cell phone line because they're not selling. So it makes the rest of their company healthier. So it's and it's 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 interesting to think that you know you know Warner Warner Brothers like the movie studio production company was was in a healthy state, but like AT and T, the parent company who is trying to start off a a streaming service, you know, with HBO Max, is is kind of like you know tripping on itself a lot, and it's almost kind of like uh, you're there's like a phrase about that where it's like you're you know. You know, I don't know. It's, I can't think of like a phrase where it's like it's sort of explaining like you're biting, you know, something else to like to spite the other Cut off kind your of nose thing. To spite your face. Yeah, exactly. They robbing Peter to pay Paul. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, they're borrowing from their own like you know their own talent and stuff like that, and like they're and screwing over people on contracts, by the way, uh, because mm-hmm. a lot of these producers and directors they get paid on the back end for how much money they make at the box office, right? You know, something like, uh, someone like Christopher Nolan, who has like, you know, Tenet and, you know, the Dark Knight movies and stuff, he was paid from the back end from how much money you made at the box office. He, that's how much his check, that's where his check comes from. And if you put it out on HBO Max at the same time, your box office numbers are going to go down and therefore your payday goes down. So you bet your ass all these directors and producers are going to get mad. Mm-hmm. But uh, AT&T is like the the boss. You How do you... You know, how do you get mad at your boss and stuff like that without, you know, ending business relationships, you know? I don't know. Um, you know, <laughs> what I started to say what wouldn't have been all that politically correct, but I'll put it like this. Um, I think companies can do stuff like sue each other. Um, <laughs> and make no yeah. mistake, when you're a big when you're a big name like Christopher Nolan, um, in this world you can count as a company. Like as as far as as these things go. Um yeah. it, you it's it's you can have that sort of relationship. You can do something like that because that's a. I think in the in the corporate world, that's a love tap. Like, no, that's not okay. That's not what we do. You good. All right. Now, uh, what you want to eat? <laughs> like, it's it's one of those things. Like, no, they they argue, um, they fuss and they fight, and then um, they sit down and they eat dinner together and watch Netflix um, or HBO Max in this case. Um, but uh, it's it's really a shitty thing to do. Um, to have contractual obligations and then pivot and not say anything way ahead of time. Nobody should find out what's going on with their job. Um, on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. That should never happen, ever happen. So um, I, I can't feel bad. I can't feel bad for them. Whoever comes out and roasts them and says what they says or starts uh, exposing their dirty draws, good good for them because you deserved it. It was, it's so easy just to say, um, hey, can we have a quick 10-minute uh, Zoom meeting? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so easy to do that. Yeah. They gave a courtesy to Wonder Woman, by the way. Uh, Wonder Woman 84, they they were announced to be day and date before like the whole Slate thing happened. Um, and what they ended up doing was they paid Patty Jenkins and uh, Gal Gadot um, a projected, like, here's how much this movie would have made in a non-pandemic world. And they paid them according to that projection which is awesome they they were they got their paychecks so they had nothing they had no dog in that fight because they weren't part of that that announcement that's when that opens uh, up two questions what's up a do they have enough money to do that for everybody probably not and um and b would those people even accept it i don't know uh i really uh that's an, that's an interesting thing I, I okay 
first part, first part, you know, that's how you, if you were to do that, that's how a company could go bankrupt. And number two, I'm pretty sure they probably would have accepted it because if they were, they, they were generous with like the projections for Wonder Woman 84. So yeah, probably I would say so. Hmm. I mean, okay. who doesn't like money? So, <laughs> uh, but as far as this, uh, this article goes here, um, like given the quote that you read here on this article about what, uh, what the CEO said, do you feel like this is sufficient? Is this a good apology? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Give me my money. That's a good apology. <laughs> like, <laughs> what in the hell not? Like, what you mean could have? You should be on your knees at this point. You know what I mean? Like, no. Like, it's, nah. <laughs> Hell no, it's not a good apology. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Let's go ahead and move on to extra news. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read these headlines and we'll just comment on what we have here. Number one, Suicide Squad Red Band trailer sets an all-time record within the first week. And that's uh, the record for... Uh, the most number of views on a Red Band trailer, specifically. Number two, theater chains see stock rises due to the success of Godzilla vs. Kong. Number three, James Gunn revealed that the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 will shoot this year. Number hey. four, Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig are set to get $100 million each for the Knives Out sequel. Number five, Amazon buys Chris Pratt's The Tomorrow War and will debut on July 2nd. Number six, Will Smith pulls uh, a movie shoot out of Georgia over voter restriction laws. Number seven, Chloe Zhao becomes the second woman in history to win a Directors Guild Best Director Award. So, you see all of these headlines, Dallas? Is there anything here that uh, that sparks your interest? Um, I had something to say about each of them. Just some some small like five go for it. So. Okay, Suicide Squad. Um, I guess people really like really like King Shark. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Truth be told, I haven't seen the trailer. I'll probably watch the movie anyway. I just won't go to theaters for it. Um, theater chain sees stock rise due to success of Godzilla vs. Kong. Duh. Um, James Gunn reveals the Guard- Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is the one I care about. It's true. Like anything MCU, especially. Okay, so I'm knee deep in Falcon vs. Winter Soldier. Um, so anything that Disney is doing with Marvel, I'm here to see. Um Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig in the hundred million. A good for y'all. Get y'all get your money. Get your um, bag. B, I haven't seen Knives Out, but I heard it's really freaking good. It is. Um, so shout out to them for making a really good movie and getting a sequel, and I hope it lives up to the hype. Um, and Netflix Amazon, be throwing out money, man, because this is uh, exclusively uh, this was a Netflix deal that they announced, by the way. Mm, mm, okay, Netflix, y'all look, y'all need to guard your wallet. Stop giving out so much money. <laughs> God, why are y'all giving out so much money? What are you making back? God, I mean, yeah. Knives Out might do it. You, they might get I know, but I, I think it was like they spent $450 million. Netflix spent $450 million to get the rights to the Knives Out 2 and 3. I think they can do that because who does not have a Netflix subscription? There's not that many. I'm noticing there's not that many people sharing. Hmm. You know also, what I mean? they're like, trying to crack down on password sharing, by the way. They're trying to make these algorithms to detect when somebody shares their password to boot them out. That's whack. How do you know though? Like, um, and then like, what? what I think do you it's do like IP couples? and like you know type of devices and stuff like that. There's like a lot of things that you can see on the back end. Uh, that's whack. Shut up, Amazon. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tomorrow War being bought once again. Shout out to Chris Pratt. Um, good for you, <laughs> for real, for real. Um, Will Smith pulling his movie out of Georgia. What movie is that? Do you know? Uh, let's go ahead and pull up the article. Uh, it's, it comes from the Wall Street Journal, and it says here, actor Will Smith and director Ant- Antoine Fuqua, uh, they said they're moving to production for the coming for their upcoming film, Emancipation. Oh, and um, 
There's been a lot of uh, Georgia, uh, like state legislature, uh, state legislature laws that have been being passed. And what it's, these laws are like, people are speculating that their their sole intention is to cut down on the uh, the number of people going to to, to voting and stuff like that. Oh, saying like you can't hand out food and water to uh, people in line or whatever stuff like that. They're trying to basically uh, cut down on movements where it's. Uh, you know, the new Jim Crow is what. Yeah, but it's basically the new Jim Crow. They're trying to cut down on like get out the vote people and stuff like that. So, um, they're like near, they're like like limiting the number of polling places. They're limiting the number of boxes, like drop boxes or whatever. Like the hours are cut. Oh, you know, like of you know. Shit. So okay, I understand. Um, yeah, Will Smith was right then. <laughs> um, and yeah. Chloe's out once again. Congratulations, man. Second woman to win uh director guild director's guild best director. Shout out to you. And I'm um, predicting that she's gonna win best director at the Oscars, by the way. Mm. So hopefully that comes to uh, come to comes to fruition. But yeah, that's uh yeah, man, that's these are a lot of a lot of headlines uh, that's going on in movies. But uh let's go ahead and continue this uh this train here with check this out. All right, check this out. Uh, we have a lot of trailers and some funny images on the uh, that we're going to talk about here. Uh, what's all the links are going to be in the show notes as well. Uh, but the first thing that we're going to talk about here is something called the Mosquito Coast, and this is something that's debuting on Apple TV Plus. So, what you uh, it's coming out, I believe, was in April thirtieth, so later this month, and it's like a drama uh, movie starring Justin Theroux. Uh, that's a, I know his name. Uh, I know he's been in some stuff. And it's a movie about a family that's, um, you know, the mother and father are criminals and they're on the run and they're taking their their, ch- their children with them on the road uh, from running away from the law. So that's an interesting thing where like the kids don't even know and suddenly they're finding out. Uh, does this movie uh, strike your fancy? Yeah. Um, I was saying earlier, this seems like the type of movie that I would watch once and never watch again. Um, but I mean that in the same way that... Um, because I, I mean that same thing about Liam Neeson movies, and I love ne- Liam Neeson. I love his movies. Um, but there are very few of them that get more than one watch for me. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Apple TV, uh, Apple TV uh, or Apple, the company, is spending out a, is spending a lot of money on uh, exclusive content as well. So Justin Theroux is a good actor. So there you go. Uh, next up, we got Jupiter's Legacy, which is a Netflix. Uh, I don't know if it's a Netflix movie or a Netflix series. I'm not, if I'm going to put money, I'm going to say that it's a series. It's yeah. coming out actually pretty soon in less than a month on May 7th. And uh, this trailer, man, this uh, this gets my blood pumping, and I, I'm actually kind of interested to see this movie. It's got an, uh, it's about superheroes, and it's multi generational. There's like the kids of superheroes, and uh, it's very serious. And uh, it's a comic, apparently, from uh, Mark Millar, who's uh, he's done a lot of stuff as well. Um, anything that you wanted to say about this particular trailer? Oh yeah, this looked like um, sky high, dark and gritty sequel. Um, <laughs> I don't know ben. if y'all was in the D- Disney Channel um, original movies like I was, but DCOMs were the shit back as, back then. And this does seem like that dark and gritty sequel. I didn't know it was uh, based off a comic. I usually I'm usually up on it on those things. Um, I'm usually the person that would have read the comic long ago. Um, but it makes sense, you know. And I'm all for Jupiter's Legacy. I'm that's gonna be one that I watch as soon as I possibly can. Okay. The next trailer here up on deck is uh, as an Angelina Jolie movie called Those Who Wish Me Dead. It comes out in theaters um, on May the 14th. And uh, it's, 
Uh, it's actually uh, it's an HBO movie. Uh, it's a Warner Brothers produced movie, which means that it's actually going to be coming on day and date on HBO Max as well. So it's in theaters and on HBO Max. Uh, what's actually kind of you know what's kind of funny is when I first saw this movie trailer, uh, the very first thing I thought about was a PS4 game called. Uh, it may not, it actually may not just be just PS4, but I think of PS4 uh, Firewatch. Uh, yeah, just kind of because she's uh, she's on the lookout <laughs> tower and she's keeping an eye for like forest fires and yeah, it's a uh, it's an uh, interesting yeah. little action movie. I get that same vibe from this. Uh, <laughs> I see where you would have got that from because I'm definitely getting that same vibe. Um, yeah. The, um, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Frank Castle is in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh, damn, what's his name? Uh, John Bernthal. That's yes. his name. Yes. Yeah, he's uh, Dare, uh, the Punisher. Yeah, yeah Frank Punisher. Castle, the Punisher. He's also Shane from The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, an asshole, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a good. These are some pretty good trailers. And the next trailer here up, up, up on deck here is a movie called The Gin. And uh, so, yeah, I don't really know a lot, a lot about this trailer uh, simply because the description doesn't give me anything as far as release dates, what studio, what platform, if it's a... You know, so basically, I just saw this trailer. It looks scary as hell. Um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty. It looks it looks scary, and uh, I might be about it because uh, it it's like you don't really see uh, a lot of horror movies where like the children are in danger. You know, and this is a little a little twelve year old boy by himself, and like this entity is trying to you know take his soul. You know, so. Uh, usually it's always the adult that's getting their 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 soul taken or whatever, and like the kids are you know away from danger. So it's interesting take on that. And uh, uh, anything you wanted to say about this trailer? Yeah, um, I'm a a lore and mythology nut, um, and I usually watch anything about a gen, uh, even the B movies, like um, <laughs> uh, anything about a gen except for the live action um, Aladdin. I'm down to watch. <laughs> uh, so, like, I, it, it gets my vote off top, off that. And I really like horror movies. Um, and like you said, especially ones where the kid is in danger. Because uh, yeah, it means they try to be scary. Yeah, they don't, they always go out of their way to, like, you know, protect the children. And they're always, if they're in the movie, they're not in the scary parts of the movie. You know what I mean? So, and uh, the, thing, the thing that catches me, like, that caught my eye about it, um, is the fact that the kid is alone. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, last bit here, and this is the fun part. This is where we're about to, you know, get lit here. I have three image sources, <laughs> uh, two from Twitter. Uh, there's a uh, um, first. Let's go ahead. And, I'm going to talk about the screen rant. This is an official like promotional art. Uh, you know how they these characters look like. And by the way, uh, Blossom is being played by Chloe Bennett, and that's the the main uh, Quake from uh, Agents of Shield, the main character from Agents of Shield. So I'm, they got some name actress to play the the uh, you know the 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 lead role I and stuff like that. They and I find some like sassy black girl to be Buttercup. I knew. <laughs> <laughs> and uh also separate side note i just wanted to say that like, i didn't realize that the writer for this uh for this movie was diablo cody because she wrote juno as well as like jennifer's body and diablo cody has was like a, a superstar writer from like the mid to late 2000s so um i'm glad to see that she's still getting work and uh yeah. i've heard the name greg berlanti but apparently he's a mega producer which i'm sure he's done a, a lot of work and stuff like that so yeah, these uh, these official images and stuff like that, they got their attitude. Is there, Looking at these official promotional images, is there anything that you wanted to say about this? Um, okay, so I'm a big fan of, um, of like the cartoon cartoon stuff. 
and of um the Powerpuff Girls and of all the Hanna Barbera stuff. Like any everything involved in the Powerpuff Girls and like and everything around like the creation of that show, I'm really a fan of down to the actual show, right? Right. Um, and I would have loved to see Powerpuff Girls done. And usually live action stuff is not as good, but I would have loved to see a live action Powerpuff Girls. But the second somebody said CW, I was out. <laughs> yeah, um, true. Yeah, it's because so, I, I know they're gonna CW it. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's gonna be very much like uh, very. Uh, At some point, the Justice League will pop up, and then yeah. there will be an Arrow crossover, and then like, no, I'm good. And they're gonna have like, like basically like these boyfriend storylines where they're gonna be like, uh, like it's gonna be a soap opera, basically. Yeah, know? like um, uh, Sabrina. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> uh, and so I pulled up two images from Twitter here where somebody was tweeting an official like, not on. This is not an official image. I think I think this is more like an onset photo that somebody took a picture of and then shared it because mm-hmm. I don't believe that they, uh, you know, the CW wanted this image. But I just, it's just a uh, picture of uh, the actresses in costume, you know, just chilling on set, you know, uh, in between takes and stuff like that. So seeing this image, does this uh, give you any hope at all? Hell no. First of all, the Powerpuff Girls was in kindergarten. let's get that out the way they were created and they were just that age and they'll probably stay that age forever um like for second of all if this is i don't know what they'll do with it but if a you have no you have no choice but to deviate from the original thing right because how creepy would it be for professor utonium to just pow create three like teenage girls because i'm guessing they teenage people in their 20s and 30s usually play teenage people (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm guessing they just pop out as teenagers because it's the CW when they go to high school with the rowdy rough boys and stuff. Um, By the way, and Mojo Jojo is a dog. Uh, as the Donald Faison, he's gonna be Professor Utonium. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. Um, how do you not make this creepy? <laughs> how do you? Because with a dude with three little girls and like if as wholesome quote unquote as, as the Powerpuff Girls was that it, it was okay and it made sense and it was like oh these are his daughters and he wanted kids and blah 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 but um how do you not make this creepy live action with real people and Donald Faison is nah <laughs> he gonna make them little girls kiss his mole and I'm not down oh my god all right I'm this not- last <laughs> one is uh is like a troll reply on Twitter and this is a uh, Twitter at user at bin bin bit it says here I don't care how terrible or or low budget Powerpuff uh, Girls is all I know is Lil Nas X better get this role, and it's yes. Lil Nas X next to him. <laughs> yes, because like, him. Look, if Donald Faison can be Professor Utonium, Lil Nas X better be him. <laughs> I can't think of too many other, especially given like his PR right now. Like, <laughs> I thought it was yeah. hilarious. I was like, that this is current as like the latest music video, and I'm like. Yeah, that, that that jives, but it's so hilarious that it just makes it's like perfect casting if that were the the case and stuff like that. So, I wonder if Lil Nas X would actually be down to play him. I think he would. I mean, <laughs> clearly he wants the attention. Um, <laughs> I, think he, I think he'd be down for it. Uh, all right, that's that was funny, by the way. So go ahead and check out those images. I have them in the description, of course, the the, the show notes and stuff. Uh, they're very funny images, and uh, yeah, let's go ahead and move on to Netflix and chill. I could have sworn you was about to play Let's Get It On or something. Because that when you say Netflix and chill, I just hear that. <laughs> <laughs> the Netflix and chill is a segment where we talk about the, the, the charts and give a recommendation. 
or what you can watch on a streaming service. So uh, I just kind of like, I like, I like the segments to be snazzy and stuff. I know what Netflix and chill means, but it's also kind of <laughs> funny because it's like, we take it seriously. Um, also because it's a recommendation, by the way, it's like, you can literally go on Netflix and chill with said recommendations. So, but yeah, uh, let's go ahead and first start off with the, the top 10, the top 10 things that are, you can watch on Netflix or sorry, the top 10 things that are trending on Netflix right now. Uh, number one, we mentioned Thunder Force, of course, because it's the new movie, it's going to trend to number one. Uh, number two, this is a robbery, the world's biggest art heist. Number three, who killed Sarah? Number four, an old movie from the 90s, The Little Rascals. Number five, The Serpent. Number six, Sniper Ghost Shooter. Number seven, a children's series, Coco Melon. Number eight, a movie from the 90s, Legally Blonde. Number nine, What Lies Below. And number 10, Concrete Cowboy. So you see this list. Is there anything here that you want to comment on regarding this top 10 list? Um, let me see. You already get all did all the comments on Thunder Force. <laughs> uh, man, little I miss Little Rascals. Like it's if you don't have those the puffy ass VHS like they used to have in the nineties. <laughs> like if if you don't have that or like if you did have it because those would be the people actually watching it. Go check that out, man. Yeah, Alfalfa and shit like that. I remember that. Uh, what's actually kind of funny is like. Um, you know, these child actors, you know, they're like five, six years old when they made that movie and stuff like that. Most of them may not have like memories of filming the movie. And, uh, what's actually kind of interesting is like, you know, uh, one of the lead, uh, the lead, uh, actors, like the, it was like a little boy, I forgot his name. He was a little blonde kid. Um, he, uh, he just grew up to be a normal person, right? Everyday person. And, uh, uh, I used to work at a movie theater and, uh, one of my coworkers, uh, talked about, like, I wasn't there that day, but she told me, like, later, like, I, either that day or the next day, and, you know, she showed me a picture of the receipt, the, the receipt, which has his, you know, when you swipe a debit card, and it has the name on the debit, mm-hmm. on the receipt, um, and so, apparently, one of the lead actors who, who was one of the little rascals went to the movies and, you know, bought some popcorn at the concession stand, and uh, she recognized him and especially whenever she saw the name on his debit card and it matched, and he's like, oh, my God. She, like, fangirled out in the inside <laughs> but didn't, like, let on to know that she knew who he was and just sort of treated him like a normal person. But it's kind of interesting. And she put it, she posted on Facebook later on. So <laughs> That's kind of fire. That's dope. Yeah. So, by the way, separate side note, Legally Blonde, I got to give it I, I got to give it up. That's actually a pretty good movie. So mm-hmm. not not going to. I'm not going to lie. As much as it is as girly as it is, it actually kind of is a good movie. So, I mean, you just heard me praise Bridesmaids earlier. <laughs> Bet, yeah. All right. Next up, the top 10 on iTunes. Number one is City of Lies. Number two is Wonder Woman 1984. Number three is Promising Young Woman. Number four is Synchronic, which is uh, 99 cents, which is why it came back to the chart. Number five is Raya and the Last Dragon. Number six is News of the World. Number seven is Barb and Star. Go to Vista Del Mar. Number eight is The Vault. Number nine, Kevin Hart, uh, The Rock, Central Intelligence. And number 10 is uh, The Discount Prestige called The Illusionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so you see this top 10 iTunes charts. What do you make of it? Um, okay, so some of these movies I don't really know anything about, so excuse me if I miss something that, that seemed good. Um, I remember... I- feel like i heard a promising young woman and it's a, a mental it's, note it's on the oscars right now it's it's nominated for oscars i remember making a mental note um to check it out and um i think that's probably the only one that i did that with like ryan the last dragon of course like disney plus that's you know i already have that um 
So I'm not really counting things that I, I would watch on other platforms, but I remember making a mental note to watch Promising Young Woman, and I feel like now I have to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to say that um, last week, um, two weeks ago on the top 10 charts, Wonder Woman 84 wasn't even on the charts at all. Mm-hmm. And then it suddenly it bumped up to number two last week, and it stayed at number two this week. And I just wanted to make a mental note that um, it's currently at five ninety nine. That's for six bucks. You can rent it or whatever. And uh, what ended up happening was the reason why it came back into the chart last week and it stayed on the chart is because it's currently at the $6 price point. Whereas before that, it was at the full like premium video on demand price point of nineteen ninety nine, where that's the only way you can rent it is by renting it for $20. Now it's on the regular uh, the regular uh, price window whenever like a movie exits theaters. So, uh, so that's, that's just a bunch of people saying, well, it's not $20 no more. I finally watch it. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what happened. So that's what I wanted to, I wanted to, I dug deep into why, why did Wonder Woman 84 shot back straight to the, to the top 10? Um, but yeah, like, I just think it's really interesting that, you know, that older movies like the illusionist and central intelligence, uh, just, uh, I don't, I, I, I want to know what the, uh, what the reason is, uh, you know, for s- certain movies to just trend, you know, why are people buying, paying money to rent this movie in particular? Uh, but it could be a situation where they went on sale for 99 cents, but I didn't look into that far. But what I did notice is that Synchronic, which is a movie starring Anthony Mackie, you know, the Falcon, mm. um, he, uh, his movie uh, is currently on sale for 99 cents, which is, I find it very funny that it trended to number four because I found out that when I was researching these lists is that it's coming to Netflix. Synchronic is coming to Netflix this Friday. So people, people who spend a dollar are suckered because you can literally just not pay that dollar. And just if you have a Netflix subscription, you can just watch it there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Last up is the Amazon Prime video charts. And uh, as per usual, I've been making mental note is that these are all the 4K versions of the movie. So no HDs. People on Amazon Prime be bougie and they be spending money on that 4K version of Mm -hmm. movies. Uh, So at number one, we got Chaos Walking. Number two is Raya and the Last Dragon. Number three is Minari. Number four is Promising Young Woman. Number five, News of the World. Number six, Judas and the Black Messiah. Number seven, The Crudes, A New Age. Number eight, The Father. Number nine, The Mauritanian. And number 10, yeah, the token old movie of the week, Divergent. Uh, so yeah, um, it's interesting that these movies are, are, these lists are damn near non-identical from the, the iTunes. It's like these iTunes and Amazon, they have a completely different taste in, uh, in what's trending or what's, what they want to spend money on. Uh, what do you make of this list? Hmm. Um, another one that I made a mental note to watch was Judas <laughs> and the Black Messiah. Um, oh man, dude, you missed out on HBO Max's 30 day window. Yeah. Oh, you a buster. You a buster. <laughs> I don't, I've been, I know I am. I've been, I just been super busy, but, um, which is why a good chunk of these I haven't seen. Um, yeah, I, I, I now that I'm seeing these on lists, I'm like, p- other people thought these were good. I thought it was going to be good. I need to go ahead and watch it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So I just really think it's really weird how Chaos Walking is a brand new movie and it's not even trending on iTunes. I just think that's really interesting. And also Minari has Oscar buzz around it, but people are watching Minari on Amazon Prime, but not watching it on iTunes in droves. Um, yeah, just some food for thought. But uh, it's, it's also interesting that, you know, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah is still getting their money because, you know, they are only on HBO Max for only 30 days. And if you missed out, now you got to pay money. So, um, That's they're like getting a theirs. Black Oscar bait movie, though. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. 
Um, my recommendation for this week is like, I just kind of wanted to do a throwback. So I, I, I usually like to like recommend really high quality, like good throwback movies from like the 2000s and like really set the bar and say, this is a good quality movie. Last week, I recommended Saving Private Ryan on Netflix. This, this week, I'm going to do the complete opposite. I'm going to just recommend a basic ass, you know, imp- just check your brain at the door, just eat some popcorn, have some soda and just chill on the couch. And watch SWAT, starring Samuel L. Jackson and Colin Farrell, as well as a bunch of other actors like LL Cool J and Michelle Rodriguez, to name a few. But SWAT was actually a fun action movie. I think uh, uh, one of my the moment one of the moments that I remember the most about that movie was at the end of the movie when there was a fight. There was a fight on some train tracks, and it was it goes hard. So um, if you want a good action movie to just enjoy and hang out, watch SWAT. Yeah, man. Yeah. So Dallas, what's your recommendation for the week? <laughs> okay, so um, I kind of pride myself sometimes on giving recommendations that other people don't, unless it's something that somebody else rec- uh, recommended to me. But um, okay, so I have a thing for like these low budget, um, low budget Japanese Chinese movies, right? Okay. Action movies, uh, martial arts movies, whatever, right? Especially the ones with like a high amount of CGI, because <laughs> I just I love that type of stuff. But so bad um, CGI, yeah, okay. Well, if it's a low budget, you can't, and you're having CGI. Come on, they have really, ta- really, really talented people working on some of this stuff, though. Like okay. watch some of the stuff that I suggest, and you could tell that it's low budget, but at the same time, you could tell that whoever did it was um, really, really skilled. Um, so the one I'm going to suggest because it has the action, um, and it's a love story, and it just. <laughs> I, I had a fun time like um I had a fun time watching the movie and going hey that's that's this person from Naruto and this is that person from Naruto uh, because it is a ninja movie it's called Shinobi um and it's about two opposing um Shinobi clans and it's basically a um it's a it's Romeo and Juliet but with ninjas basically is this based on the Sega Genesis classic <laughs> it's not it's not it's not um I forgot what that ninja's name was, but it's not that Shinobi. Ah, it's what's like, it? Uh, um, what's it streaming on? It's not streaming on anything. <laughs> oh come on, <laughs> that completely defeats the purpose of this segment. It's you're like, right. Okay, so I'll give you another one. But, right. uh, but this has really, 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 really good uh, CGI. Okay. Um, Gantz, G A N T Z. I don't know if y'all like anime. If you watch anime, then you already know what Gantz is because it's freaking classic. Um, but if you know what Gantz is, this is basically another group. It's on Netflix, actually. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and that's that's why I'm mentioning it, because it's something that I didn't think I'd see on Netflix. But it's literally a, a complete computer-animated CGI movie. Um, this is the third Gantz movie that I've seen. The only one on Netflix, but the third Gantz movie that I've seen. And I did not expect it, especially as a Netflix movie, to like be on par with those. But um, if you've seen something like... Final Fantasy Advent Children, and you like those types of like CGI movies with action and and everything in it. This is the prettiest CGI movie you have seen in your life, and that that that's better than um, Pixar. That's really killing for real, killing Disney and Pixar. Damn, I think I have to check that out. I mean, shit. Yeah. Okay, uh, and if you like I, anime, it'll be up the alley. I really love it. That's why. That's why I like this segment because we can do some deep cu- deep cuts. You know, mm-hmm. stuff that you don't really like that doesn't go to the you know trend of the these streaming services but i'll find shinobi i'm like i'll let you know so you can tell them where to um where to find it Please, i really hope it's on a, a streaming service but i'm going to find it okay otherwise you probably have to go to like itunes and pay money for it, you know <laughs> yeah uh, all right 
let's go ahead and move on to the new releases. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. So for new releases this week, uh, there's only two things to talk about. One is in theaters and one is on Netflix. So uh, for new releases, uh, we have Vanquish, which is out in, on, uh, out in theaters this Friday, April 16th. And the synopsis reads, a retired cop forces a former drug courier to do his bidding by holding her daughter hostage, armed with guns, guts, and a motorcycle. She must now take out a series of violent gangsters or never see her child again. It was formerly titled The Longest Night, and it's an upcoming American action crime thriller film uh, directed by George, uh, I'm assuming that's Gallo is how to pronounce it, and it's starring uh, former Batwoman uh, star Ruby Rose and Morgan Freeman. So I'm not going to lie, though, Morgan Freeman is a bit sus because he's a great actor, but he'd be picking some weird projects that are kind of like bad movies. But <laughs> what do you think? Is Morgan Freeman's clout, does his name being on this movie mean anything to you? Um... Yeah, yeah, I, I won't lie, a little bit, um, because I even if it's a quote unquote bad movie, I usually enjoy something with Morgan Freeman in it. Um, the synopsis alone is like probably gonna be some good action in it. So yeah, I've I seen the trailer. I um I need to watch that trailer. <laughs> the synopsis alone is saying there's gonna be some action in it, and usually the Morgan Freeman action movies. I know that's a weird thing to say, but um, the Morgan Freeman action movies. Um, I'm looking at you, Unleashed. Uh, usually are pretty pretty fun to watch. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, Morgan Freeman is like coercing Ruby Rose's character to you know do his bidding and kill these gangsters and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean Ruby Rose, we know she can do action. She was bat she was Batwoman Batwoman for a season before she quit. You know, uh, I guess. Maybe she's trying to parlay that into a, fu- a film acting career and stuff like that. So good, best of luck to her. Um, next up is uh, Crimson Peak. That's out on Friday, th- this Friday on Netflix. And it's the synopsis reads, After marrying a mysterious British aristocrat, a young heiress moves into his crumbling, creepy ancestral home and finds it it conceals sinister secrets. Um, the film stars Mia Wasikowska, Jessica Chastain, Tom Hiddleston, aka Loki, Charlie Hunnam, aka um, what was it that the motorcycle show? Damn it! Uh, yeah, no, not Pacific Rim, but he was in Pacific Rim. But, well, screw it, whatever. Jim mm-hmm. Beaver and Leslie Hope, and it's written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. So yeah, that's, that's an inter- interesting like little um, uh, you know cast and director and stuff like that. So, uh, what do you think of this uh, Netflix joint? That's an auto watch. Tom Hiddleston directed by Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, that's just for pure curiosity I'm watching it. Yeah. Out of pure curiosity. Damn. Plus, I mean, I really, really, I'm, I'm a really big del Toro fan. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm watching that anyway. Yeah. The, uh, the, the show I was trying to think about from, uh, from uh, uh, Charlie Hunnam was Sons of Anarchy. Mm. Uh, that that was that one. And then also, uh, of course, Mia Wasikowska, she was, uh, she was in... Um, that Johnny Depp movie uh, was it Alice in Wonderland? She was Alice, so and oh, Jessica Chastain. Her. I believe she's got an Oscar. I think she's got an Oscar nomination at least under her belt. So basically, you got a top tier cast here, and mm-hmm. it's on Netflix. Like, damn, they better not squander this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So I, be, I'm, my 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 uh, my pick of the week is going to be Crimson Peak simply because of how the the talent and as well as uh, I believe I've heard the name Crimson Peak. It feels like it's an IP, but I could be wrong, but. The talent I'm alone. thinking about Twin Peaks. Mm. It making me think about that. 
Uh, yeah, you're right. You're probably right. You're probably right. So yeah, um, that's uh, that's the pick of the week for me is Crimson Peak, and uh, if I think it's believed for you since it's the auto watch. So yeah, I bet my my bet is that it's going to be number one on trending next week on next week's chart. So mm. yeah. With that Mikey. said, uh, let's go on to the last segment, and this is uh, going to be uh, your segment, Dallas. Mm. I hope you're prepared because sharing the love is uh, is a segment where we talk about a movie where uh, you grew up with it as a kid, you know, something that you want to just sort of share, uh, you know, stories like of your childhood or a movie that meant a lot to you and, you know, what, how it impacted you, you know, growing up or what, whatnot. Uh, did you by any chance think of one? I, I know of a few. Um, let's see. Don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Yeah, that's a good um, one. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. I was in like second grade or something. <laughs> um. No, nah, for real, for real. And this is going to be like, y'all y'all don't murder me. Because I know if you're listening to this, you're probably a movie buff. And like so far, you're like, oh, these these um really good, obscure foreign films. This is a man of culture. No, because the movie I'm talking about right now is the Power Rangers movie. <laughs> yes, the first Power Rangers movie. Because I am of the age. Just just follow me, though. Okay. I am, <laughs> I am of the age where Power Rangers was a big deal. It was like, it took a, like, I went straight from... Just to show the age, I went straight from Barney to Power Rangers. Um, I was already super in into martial arts and action and stuff, right? And it, it it took over my little brain. It was it was all about Power Rangers and Dragon Ball Z, right? Yes. So, um, for that movie to come out, and this is something that I miss just in general, and this is why I'm so glad for the MCU. This was a movie, um, that was an event. It was like a must thing. It's it's the thing that everybody's going to be talking about talking about. Um. And it was like, I don't want to say evolution, that's the wrong word. Um, it was a, I don't know, it, it was sort of an evolution. It was like, it was the, it was seeing Power Rangers in a different light. Like, I, I was the fan that watched from the very first episode to when the Green Ranger came and whooped everybody ass in their own Zord to um, him losing his powers and still whooping ass and then becoming the White Ranger. Um, and it's crazy because, <laughs> like, they had to... It was one of those things. So to see that movie and to before to become such a big event, it was one of those things where McDonald's had the toys for it. Yeah, still, still the age for um for wanting to collect all the toys and stuff. And the only other movie I can think of that became such a big event in my life at a time where those things still mattered was um Pokemon, the first movie. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, it it just holds a special place in my my little child heart. You know what? I, I actually, you know, it's really interesting that you bring that up is because like, I, sometimes I get like re- random ass recommendations on my homepage on YouTube. And one of them was like this 20 to 30 minute long documentary of uh, the Power Rangers movie. I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was interesting how like they had a, the actor Ivan Ooze was sort of improving and sort of bringing that character to life. And they were giving him, mm-hmm. giving him that flexibility. And they had spent like four hours of putting those prosthetics on him and, and all that stuff. And like how all these, uh, these, the TV actors, like they didn't even realize that they were going to be filming a movie in Australia. And they're like, all mm-hmm. right, we're going to shut down production and we're going over there. And they're like, what the hell? You know, like that's kind of interesting. And um, it's a really interesting watch, by the way, just seeing how like they were, you know, struggling with the costumes and making these like, uh, like these leather plastic, you know, new PVC, su- yeah, yeah, PVC suits and stuff like that. And they're struggling to walk around in it and, uh, you know, perform, you know, fighting moves and stuff. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, the, also the fact that they, you know, this was the nineties and CGI wasn't what CGI was right now. And so by mm-hmm. now, by today's standard, it's bad CGI, but you know, back then it was kind of cutting edge even yeah. for their budget. So 
Yeah. I, I, I kind of have to agree with you on that. That's a good pick. The Power Rangers, man. I was of age as well. So um, I'm not going to I'm not gonna uh, try to act like I'm like, oh, that, psh, you know, no, no, man. I ain't about that life. So it was such an event. It was a, it was a very big deal. And like my step pops took us to see the movie. Yeah, like, it was it was during that time. I never really got to experience things like that. Um, yeah. And it was my first, it was the first thing like that. And it was really significant. So, yeah. Okay. Thanks. Uh, thanks for sharing that story. That's really awesome. That's what, that's what the segment's about. All right. Let's go ahead and end it. And now the end is near. And so I face the final curtain. It is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Play Movies. Remember, you can reach the podcast by email at readyplaymovies at gmail.com or simply at readyplaymovies on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Chakalaka88 and Dallas. At Dallas Man. Dallas with a Z, by the way. There you go. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. See you next time. Peace. Peace.